Well, good morning, church. I always love those words. Good morning, church. Uh, just so you know, if you're a first time or you haven't been here very often, we do. I know there's lots of babies out there. So we do have a nursery. If you uh, want to bring your baby to the nursery, your baby can stay with you too here. That's fine. Just want to make sure that that's available and you are aware of that. Uh, our ushers can direct you uh, to the nursery if that's what you desire. Um, it's good to be up here this morning. Let me just start by saying I know uh, Joey had mentioned uh, we find ourselves in kind of a, a perilous time with lots of things going on in our nation and in our world. Uh, with multiple hurricanes and, and uh, earthquakes and fires. You realize we have over 80 different fires here on the West Coast, most of them up in Oregon and Montana. Uh, just a lot going on. And so uh, before we start this morning, I just want to take a time and let's just pray for some of these folks. Many of them right now, I know, especially for Hurricane Irma, uh, are right in the middle of that storm. And so I think it would be good for us as a body of believers just to take a moment and uh, and seek our God and ask him to uh, be merciful on them uh, in this tough situation. God, we come before you this morning, uh, God, aware of the many things that are going on across our nation, across this world with earthquakes and hurricanes, many of them larger than we've seen in the past. And uh, God, of course, the multiple fires here just locally. And um, God, we know that many lives are going to be affected if they haven't been already. And uh, many of us maybe even have friends or family that are near some of these areas. And uh, so, God, we just come before you. We ask because you are the great provider. You are also uh, the creator and the designer of all of nature and everything that we see and everything that we get to experience. And so, God, we come before you this morning uh, asking that you be merciful upon your people, asking that you uh, just allow your people to come together. God, I think especially in times like these. Uh, the body of, of Christ has an incredible responsibility to uh, to help pick up the pieces and to help come alongside and to help uh, not only through prayer, but through giving and through going. And I go, God, I know many uh, friends of mine even have already uh, signed up uh, across uh, this nation to go on trips and to help and to provide the resources that are necessary. And so, God, we pray ultimately that you would provide God, that you would protect and God, that you would um, even allow your kingdom to be expanded. God, sometimes in turmoil and hard times we face is when you can work the greatest in our lives. And so, God, we pray for those who have yet to believe in your name, that through these experiences and through these maybe tragedies that they're facing, God, that you would draw them near to you. God says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, God, you work far in advance of today. And so, God, we trust that you'll do the same here in our nation and across this world with all of the brothers and sisters in Christ. And even for those unbelievers, God, that this would be a neat time for you to work in their lives. God, we pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Well, I got a call uh, yesterday late evening and uh, we've had the privilege, uh, as many of you know, we're without a pastor right now. And so we're in that process of, of searching. But we've had some guest speakers. Ed Trinner was here last week with us. Uh, he was planning to be here again this morning, and I got a call yesterday from him. Uh, he was in the ER. Uh, he decided he would go into his backyard, and he's got a lemon tree. And uh, so he climbed up on a ladder to pick some lemons, and on his way down, he came down a lot quicker than he was hoping. And uh, whacked his head, uh, fell, whacked his head on a concrete uh, floor or brick, uh, passed out for I don't know how long. Uh, it was just him back there. Uh, finally came to. And got himself up, walked in the house and told his wife, Carla, says, I don't feel too good. I just fell. And, 
you know, hit my head. And so she looks and he's just got blood uh, flowing the back, down the back of his head. So they took him to the ER. Uh, he's home now. He's got home late last night. Uh, I talked to him this morning. He's doing fine. Uh, he sends his uh, loves to the church here and wanted to be here, but his family said, no, you need to, you know, relax and take it easy. And I agreed with that. So, uh, so you get the privilege this morning of hearing uh, from me, of course, the spirit I'm praying that same spirit that was going to work through Ed is going to work through me this morning. And uh, so bear with me as we do this. And uh, we're going to find our place over to the book of Matthew. So if you'll grab your Bibles, your Bible app, head over to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And we'll camp out at uh, starting at verse 14. But as you're turning there uh, to Matthew chapter 25, I'll put the uh, verse up here on the screen, maybe. Maybe not. All right. Uh, but as you find your way there, I just want to give you a little context as we uh, this is called the parable of the talents. And so as we uh, read through this and talk through this. Uh, we will kind of want to know the context of what we're looking in. So uh, Matthew 25 is kind of towards the end of Matthew. And so we know it's it's uh, towards the end of Jesus's ministry. And so I want us to kind of look at the grand scheme of what's taking place, what's going on uh, as we dive into this passage. Um, Jesus has been doing his earthly ministry now for uh, a number of years, two or three years. And so he's kind of coming to the point. Where we'll see in a couple chapters, or if you were to turn to chapter 26 or 7, we see that Jesus is pending death and resurrection. His crucifixion on the cross will about, is about to take place. And, uh, and here's what we know. The religious leaders, it's been a couple years that Jesus has been doing his ministry, and so the religious leaders just aren't happy. Right? They haven't really caught on to this whole Jesus thing. Uh, they're not excited about who Jesus is. They've been trying to stump him. They've been throwing questions at him. And they've been doing their best to try and trip him up. Uh, of course, we know because we have the full uh, Bible and the full, full story. We know that they were unsuccessful at that, uh, but they're doing their best, right, to try and trip Jesus up. And so as we look at chapter 25, some of the chapters before, if we went all the way back to chapter 23, uh, we see that there's kind of a progression uh, towards what we would know as Holy Week or Easter. Um, we're a little ways from that uh, here, but we know that Jesus has kind of arrived into, this, into uh, Jerusalem and uh, and so we're kind of in that kind of Easter season as we look at this passage and uh, Jesus knows that his time is near. Right. The, the reason why he came down from heavens, as Philippians two talks about, Jesus knows that his time is coming, that where he will die on the cross. And so he wants to give uh, his disciples and his followers some clear direction. Uh, we see in chapter 23, of course, here's how he starts. He starts by rebuking and denouncing the Pharisees, right? The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And he uses some very harsh words, right? If you, if you remember the chapter, remember these passages, he calls them brood of vipers, right? He calls them hypocrites, right? These are supposed to be the religious leaders. These are supposed to be the people that are leading God's, God's people, and yet God comes before the, or, or uh, Jesus comes before them and rebukes them. Then we move on to chapter 24 and we see that Jesus then starts sharing with his disciples about the end times, uh, about his second coming, about the last days, about eschatology. And then we get into chapter 25, which is what we're uh, spend some time in this morning. And Jesus is going to kind of give his final discourse or his final sermon. Uh, if we were to go back, you guys remember his first sermon? Uh, Matthew chapter five, a sermon on the Mount, uh, very lots of things that he shared, very encouraging to the people. And this is a little bit of a different 
tone or mindset in this final sermon. And uh, he uses some parables, as we'll see this morning, uh, to talk about the kingdom of heaven, to talk about the coming of Christ, to talk about the ascension of Jesus, to talk about the things that are to come here in the near future. And so this morning we find ourselves in, in 20, uh, chapter 25, at the very end of that chapter, then becomes judgment. And he talks about judgment for a little bit. Uh, when we hear the word judgment, that's not a, usually a, a happy thought or a good thought, right? Judgment doesn't seem all that great. Uh, now, for the believer, however, as we face judgment, uh, know that this will be a time of great joy, right? We have something to look forward to. Uh, this will be a time where we as believers, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you will receive your inheritance from God, right? It's a chance that you'll receive your resurrected body, your new body. It's a chance for you to meet face to face with Jesus. But we know for the unbeliever, the person that hasn't put their faith in Jesus yet, this will look a little different, right? There will be harsh judgment. Um, but we all know that we will face Jesus, that we will have to give an account for the way that we chose to live our lives. So the question I want to uh, send out this morning to us, uh, Dave, if you can go to the next slide for me, is this, are we faithfully serving Christ? Are we faithfully doing our part and not just individually, but as a church and not just as a church, but individually, are we doing our part to help proclaim the good news of Jesus to a world that is dying and to a world that is in need of hope this morning? As we talked about, there's hurricanes, there's all these things going on. People are dying and people need the hope of Jesus. And for some of us. We did this many years ago. We sent teams out to Hurricane when Hurricane Katrina went through and we sent out some teams and some of you were a part of that. And we did some cleanup work and we did some uh, sharing of the gospel in those times. And so not everybody can do that. But what can we do? What can we do locally? What can we do within our workplaces? What can we do with unbelievers in our lives today? How can we impact uh, the kingdom of heaven with the gospel and the way that we live our lives today? And so I want us to look at uh, this passage. We're going to start at uh, verse 14. So find your uh, way to verse 14 with me. And it starts with this as verse 14, it says, for it is just like a man going on a journey. And he called his own slaves and he turned over his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one and each according to his own ability. Then he went on a journey and immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them in, uh, put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man who had earned two or had, given, had been given two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents and said, Master. You gave me five talents. Look, I've earned you five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. So share in your master's joy. Verse 22 says, then the man with two talents also approached and he said, master, you gave me two talents. And look, I've earned you two more talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. Then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know 
you're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But his master replied to him, he said, you evil, lazy slave. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have even what he has will be taken away from him and throw this good for nothing slave into outer darkness. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Parable of the talents. We're going to kind of walk through this verse by uh, verse by verse. I want to give us an overview real quick. Uh, But as we look at verse 14, look at verse 14 again. Verse 14, it says, for it is like a man going on a journey. Right. So he uses the story. He says he called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. Right. Sometimes when we look at scripture, there are moments and times where uh, Jesus, where God will use an, like an allegorical element or a, an allegory, which is like a spirit. There'll be like a deeper spiritual meaning um, behind the story. And so when we look at this, we can say we know some things about this parable. Number one, the man who was the man? Well, the man was Jesus. Right. It says he was going on a journey. Right. We know that the journey that he was going on was his ascension into heaven, right? His the road to the cross and then his resurrection from the dead. And so he's giving them this analogy. He's giving them this allegory and he's saying, hey, here's some things to come, right? So it's Jesus. He's going to be ascending into heaven uh, very soon. And it says he called his own slaves. The slaves would represent followers of Jesus, right? We could say today they would represent you and I, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning. And then the very end there, verse 14, it says, and he turned over his possessions to them, right? His possessions are the things, the blessings, the abilities, anything that God pours out onto our lives are the things that God has, right? God willingly says, I have all the, everything that you see is mine and I'm willingly going to pour that out and give it to you, right? And so to each of us, according to our own abilities, God has given us specific gifts and talents and abilities and things that we are to accomplish As believers in Jesus Christ, if you're a believer this morning. As Matthew is writing these words in the first century, the church is eagerly anticipating. Right. His return. Matthew, in the end of the first century, is writing this letter, this book of Matthew, this gospel. And even just this little bit of time has passed and they are already expecting the return and the second coming of Jesus. And so as Matthew pins these words, he knows that. Right. He knows that the first century church is eagerly anticipating the return of Christ. I guess my question for us this morning is how eagerly are we anticipating the return of Christ? And the way that we live and the way that we choose to live our lives, are we in a point where we are excited about Christ returning? And are we so do we realize that the return of Christ could be even tomorrow? And what are we doing with our lives to make that count? Or are we living our lives and just wasting it on futile, earthly things this morning? But look how gracious the master is to his servant. Look at the very end there. It says in verse 14, it says, and he turned over his possessions to them. 
See, Jesus, the master, he trusts you and I. You believe that? He trusts you and I with all his possessions. I mean, when you think about that, that's a huge load to, to carry. Jesus, the creator of the earth, the redeemer of our souls, entrusts you and I this morning with all that he has. Psalms 24 verses 1 through 2, Dave, if you can put that up, says this. It says the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, you and I belong to the Lord for he laid its foundations on the seas and he established it on the rivers. So my question for us this morning, how tightly are we clinging on to our possessions? Think about that. I was just talking with Ben this morning about how we often spend time so consumed with our possessions, so consumed with the things that we have. And we always want more and we always got to have the best iPhone. iPhone 8's coming out, right? How many are already planning? You don't have to raise your hand. But some of us are already planning, right? Get iPhone 8. I'm still on the four or five or I don't know, three, maybe. Um, right. And so we're always trying to get the next best thing, right? We're always trying to get and accumulate things. But Jesus says, hey, wait a minute. Everything you have is because I've given it to you. And don't cling so closely to those things, those earthly things, those worldly things, because those things will soon pass away. Right. That means that everything that we have is because Jesus chose to give it to us. Think about that. The air that you breathe this morning is Jesus. Right. The health that you have, whether it's good or bad, Jesus gave it to you. Right. The the. The breath in your lungs, the car that you drive. Some of you maybe got a new car recently. God gave that to you. Maybe you have an old car. God gave that to you. Right. God gave you a house. God gave you shelter. It could look like a normal house. It could look like a tent. It could look like whatever. But God gave you shelter. Right. Some of you, God gave you kids, grandkids. Right. Where's the amen on that? <laughs> Right. The relationships that you have, your spouse or with a loved one. Right. The opportunities that we have, everything. And I, when I say everything, I mean everything has been given to us by Jesus, by God. Right. We don't own anything. So if you're in the mindset of, hey, I own a house, I own a car. No, you don't. Right. Sometimes our kids will say, hey, I'm going to go to my room. Well, that's not your room. Right. That's mom and dad's room. That's not even mom and dad's room. That's the Lord's room. Right. Or, hey, dad, can I have some money? No. OK, I'll use my own money. Well, you don't have money. Yeah, I do. Maybe grandpa gave it to me. Oh, no. The Lord gave it to grandpa before he could give it to you. Right. Everything we have has been given to us by the Lord. Here's the thing. We're all this is proven, proven fact. Each one of us here today is going to die. Hundred percent guarantee of that. Right. And when we die, here's what's going to happen. You know the drill. Right. A bunch of people are going to get together. They're going to go to a place where they've dug a hole in the ground, right? They're going to throw or they'll, they'll place gently your body in the ground, right? Then they're going to talk about you for a little bit and then they're going to throw dirt on your face, right? They're going to cover you up, maybe some nice grass on top. And then chances are if they're usually if they're believers in Christ, a lot of times they'll come back to a church. They're going to have some sandwiches, potato salad, right? If you're lucky, they may talk about you a little bit. And some, some, some may not. Maybe they'll just talk about their work, things that are going on. They'll kind of forget about you already. Right. That's the reality of it. Right. And then what's left behind? All your stuff. Right. You're not taking any of your stuff with you into that hole. Right. You're not taking any of your stuff with you into heaven because it's not your stuff. 
right? The stuff belongs to who? The Lord. Here's the deal. Reuben, someone else is going to use your golf clubs. And they're probably going to be better than you. Right? Someone else. I won't be better than you, but somebody else might be. I've been trying. Right? Somebody's going to wear your clothes. Or they're going to throw them away. Or now, this day and age, they're going to uh, put it up on offer up or let it go and hope somebody takes it. Right? Let it go. Right? That's the reality. We are only stewards of what God's given us. Without God, we have nothing. Without God this morning, you are nothing. It's because of God that we exist this morning. Look at verse 15. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability. And then he went on a journey. See, when I read this passage, immediately what comes to my mind is if my kids were to hear this passage, one of my sons is here sitting here this morning. Listen to this. Their immediate response would probably be like, that's not fair. How come one got five and one only got two and one only got one? That doesn't seem fair. Right. If you have multiple kids, you know that. Right. If you have more than one kid in your family, you know, if you give one something, guess what? The other one wants the same thing. Oh, don't give me less. Right. Give my daughter two Oreos. And my son says, how come I only have one? Well, I don't know. Get a second one. Right. They always they always want things to be fair. Right. And it's just not fair. We look at this. Hey, how come one kid only got five or got five talents? How come one kid only got two talents? How come one only got one? Doesn't doesn't seem fair. Right. Sometimes I like I'm not a I mean, I like desserts. I don't eat them all the time, but we kind of have a, a rule that we try to follow. We don't always follow it in our house, but uh, we don't give our kids dessert during the week uh, while they're at school. On the weekends, it's kind of the time to, OK, you can have a dessert on Friday night, Saturday night, maybe Sunday night. But during the, the week, no dessert, just dinner. But I, being the dad, I choose to have dessert whenever I want. Right? The problem is, sometimes my kids will stay up a little later than I would hope. And so they see me eating dessert during the week. Right? And they're thinking, wait a minute. How come dad gets dessert and we don't? Right? That doesn't seem fair. Right? Or how come we have to eat our vegetables and dad doesn't? Wait a minute. I think my wife put that one in here, right? Doesn't seem fair. Sometimes we look around and we think, you know what? Life just doesn't seem fair. Right? When I look around, life just doesn't seem fair, right? Maybe you find yourself in a spot where you say, I, I do my best to faithfully follow God. I do my best to trust God. I do my best to serve God. And yet it seems like all of these things are happening to me. And yet this person over here, and then we start playing, uh, playing the comparing game. Right? How come how come they're being blessed? How come they're succeeding? Here's what I love about this verse. Verse 15. I love the fact that each slave is treated as an individual. Right. Each slave is treated according to his own abilities. And those are the abilities that God gave them. Right. It, it's, it's like saying this. It's like saying the one that had the most Right. He didn't want to be insulted with trivial responsibilities because he had the abilities to do great things. And so God says, hey, it doesn't seem fair that I give a slave trivial responsibilities when I set him up to do great things. Right. And on the flip side, he doesn't want to overwhelm the least able slave with an impossible task. Right. So God gives to each 
follower of him, the abilities that he's designed for them to have. Nothing more, nothing less. So let's look at this. Verse 15, it says they give them talents, right? Five talents, two talents, one talent. So what's a talent? Right. Well, in the Hebrew system, the talent is a measure of weight. That's kind of what we start off knowing about a talent, right? It's it's the heaviest measure of weight. Um, But over time, it became known as a certain sum of money. And so we could say uh, probably one talent would be like six thousand denarii, which was their their money back then. Um, If we were to put that in uh, kind of a bigger picture, someone in these times, in New Testament times, if they were to work for 19 or 20 years, that would be the equivalent of what these slaves were given. 19 to 20 years of wages. Think about that today. That would be like me saying, hey, I want three of you to come up here and I'm going to give uh, one of you a couple million dollars. I'm going to give the other maybe four or five million dollars and the other six or seven million dollars. Right. Think about the excitement for a minute. If I if I chose three of you, brought you up and pulled out money out of my pocket, said, here you go. Are you going to be excited? Right. There should be excitement. Like I didn't do anything to earn this. Are you sure? Is this is this fine? Is this even your money to give away? No, it's not. It's the Lord's. Right. So it's a ton of money, right? Which means here's the catch this. We always think about it's not fair. How did the you know one get five, one get two and one only get one? Here's the reality of it. The one that got only one talent, that was still a huge treasure for that one servant. Right. If we were to put it in perspective, if I said to you, hey, you're only going to get a a million dollars. okay, Right. That still was a ton of money when you look at the measure of money, according to this time. But then when you often when you hear the word talent today, we just we don't think of just money. We think of right your abilities. We think of your resources. We think of the things that God has given you and gifted you with. Um, and so that's the talent, right? The talent that we're looking at. Look at verse 16 with me. Verse six, 16, it says the man who had received five talents went Put them to work and earn five more in the same way. The man who earned two more or the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Again, think about this. The five talent slave and the two talent slave are probably filled with enthusiasm and excitement, right? It's a challenge they're willing to accept because I, I trust that they know the master Right. They know how good the master is. And so they say, hey, if the master is going to give us such a large treasure, then we got to do something with it. Right. We have to do something with it. And so they didn't delay. What's the very first uh, word in verse 16? It says immediately. Right. Immediately. The man who had received five talents went, put them to work, earned five more. See, here's. Here's what we have to be careful for. Is these folks didn't delay these two, the two and the five talent servants, they didn't delay. They got the charge from their master and they immediately went. They immediately knew what they needed to do. They immediately went ahead and did it. Right. Sometimes if we're honest with ourselves this morning, God has given each one of us, if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, has given each one of us certain abilities and gifts and talents and things that we're supposed to use for the glory of the Lord. And if we're honest, sometimes out of fear, we have delayed to use those and put those into practice. Here's the thing. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Right. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And these two slaves knew what had been given to them. So they immediately go 
and they immediately head out. Here's another thing I noticed about these slaves. I kind of mentioned this earlier. They don't compare themselves to each other. They don't say, well, hey, you you got five. How come I only got two? Right. We don't see that. Right. Because here's the thing. The moment we start to compare. Right. The moment we start to say, hey, look at that person. I mean, how come God's blessing them the way that he's blessing them? How come God's not blessing me like that? Right. The minute we start to play that compare game, here's what we begin to do. We begin to put God in the hot seat. Right. We begin to say to God, God, you didn't go about this correctly. God, you didn't do this the right way. You should have given to all fairly the same amount. Right. You gave me too little. Right. You gave that person too much. And we start to play this compare game. And here, if we're honest with ourselves, that compare game will never satisfy us, will never bring us joy. That compare game is a lose lose situation. Uh, Dave, if you can flip to the next slide. Look at this. The best way to glorify God is for you and I to be the best you and I that God created you and I to be. Read that one more time. The best way to glorify God is for you and I to be the best you and I that God created you and I to be. So be who God created you to be. Use the gifts and the resources that God has given you to use. Remember, God doesn't make mistakes. Right. None of us are a mistake this morning. Right. God does not make mistakes. Never. Right. So don't get caught in Satan's trap of thinking, oh, that person's got more than me. They're better than me. That's that's a trap of the evil one. Right. And then notice the contrast in verbs. We're going to get a little bit of the English side here. But notice the verb difference between the five and two talent slave versus the one talent. Look at verse 16. It says immediately the man who had received five talents, he did what? He went. He put them to work or he traded them. Some of your Bibles might say, and he earned five more. Right. He made five more. Versus the one talent slave said in verse 17, it says in the same way, the man who had earned two, two more. But then the man who had received one talent, he didn't just went or go. He went off. He dug a hole in the ground and then he hid his master's money. Look at the verbiage that's used for the two and the five talent slaves are very much action verbs. They're very progressive. They're very moving forward verbs, right? Compared to the one talent slave is more regressive, right? There's not much action, right? James says, hey, be doers of the word. Don't be just hearers of the words, but be doers of the word, right? And so God calls us to be doers of the words. He calls us as believers to be progressive, to be on mission, to declare the glory of God to others around us. And as I'm reading this passage yesterday, I'm thinking, how are we doing at that? Individually, how are we doing at that? And then corporately as a body, how are we doing at that? I love hearing about Boyle Heights, right? I love knowing what the team's doing. I love hearing about our Bible clubs, right? Those are some things are measurements of how our church is doing. But how are we as individuals doing and declaring God's glory to the generations. 
Look at verse 19. It says, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Let this just be a reminder. They were waiting for the second coming of Christ, right? The first century believers expected Jesus to return at any moment, right? We find ourselves today still waiting for his return, right? But don't let that fool you, right? God promises he will return and he will return, right? And, and the writer Matthew knew that. And when he returns, he will settle accounts with us. Each one of us will have to go before the judgment of Christ and we will have to give an account for how we use the talents and the gifts that God has given us. Look at verse 20. It says the man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents to the master and said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned you five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So share in your master's joy. Then the man with two talents also approached and he said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I am coming to you with two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, for you were faithful over a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. Let me just point out two things this morning on these verses. First is both the five and the two talent slaves acknowledge that the master had given them the talents. Right. They declared that they knew that church. We have to recognize that God has given us everything we need to succeed in this life. He's given us everything we need to worship him, everything we need to bring him glory and to glorify his name. So we don't need to be left wondering, what do we do? Okay, I gave my life to the Lord. I, I, I confessed my sins. Now, what do I do? God will give you the opportunities. God will give you the abilities. God will give you everything that you need to follow after him. And so God provides the opportunities. And often we need to learn to go, to move, to walk, to work, to be progressive people of God. Just like the two and the five talent people. Here's the other thing I notice. I do notice how gracious and fair God is to those whose talents they have been given. Look at verse 21 and 23, right? The same response. Verse one, the response is well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And the response to the two talent and verse 23, he says the same thing. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. So share your master's joy. See, they knew they got the same. It didn't matter the results. It didn't matter that one came back with two and one came back with five more. Jesus says, all I want is that you are faithful to me. That's all I want. I will worry about the results. But as long as you are faithful to me and you are people who are progressive and you are people who are working towards the kingdom of God in the sense of you are using the abilities that God's given you to share the gospel with the world. Right. Sometimes the gospel looks like sitting around a table with 20 other people underneath a bridge, just eating and then having the chance maybe to open up the word of God and to share with them. Sometimes, sometimes it means going to your next door neighbor and just saying, hey, we've never met. I've been here for 10 years. I just want to introduce myself. I just want to let you know that I love you. I love this neighborhood. I love your family. I've seen you guys out and about. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Right. Sometimes it's the simple things, but God is just saying, hey, just go. Right. And here's the thing. Both of those people, God gave them. It says. Uh, you were faithful over how many things? A few things. 
So they, they were just faithful over a few things. What was the result of that? I will put you in charge of many things. Is God fair? God's more than fair. Right? God says, hey, I'm going to give you a few things to do, but just know if you're faithful in those few, guess what? I'm going to give you an abundance. I'm going to give you so many things that you're going to be so overwhelmed with the grace and the glory of God. But look, let's wrap this up. Verse 24 says, then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, master, I know you. Here, a different response. This is a different side of the master. It says, master, I know you. You're a difficult man. Reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seeds. So I was afraid if you have a, a ability to underline or highlight, can you just underline that verse 25? So I was afraid. We're going to come back to that in just a second. It says, so I was afraid and I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. You have what you gave me. I'm giving it back to you. But his master replied to him, you evil, lazy slave. For if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back, at least with some interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even that which he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing slave into the outer darkness. For in that place... There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? Here's what stops us sometimes. Here's what gets us to the point of being a one talent slave for Christ is sometimes we allow fear to dictate our lives, right? Some of us are saying, hey, I know God's given me abilities, but I don't know, right? Moses was there. He's like, I don't know if I can speak, Lord. I think you've got the wrong guy, right? David's like, hey, I'm just a young guy watching some sheep. I don't know, Lord. Right. Sometimes we allow fear to stop us in our tracks and to dictate the rest of our lives. And so Jesus, over if you looked out through scripture over 300 times in scripture, more than that, Jesus uses the statement, do not be afraid. That's what God says to us. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Here's the deal. Belief in Jesus Christ is what will help us to overcome fear in our lives. The greater our faith. The greater our belief in Jesus, the less our fear will be. I love this. I ran across this uh, just yesterday. It said this was from a, a, an architect uh, of, a, of a ship designer. Uh, he said this. He said a ship in harbor is safe. A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what the ship was designed for. It wasn't designed for the harbors. Right. The ship was designed to be out on the ocean. In parallel, when we look at this passage, a silent Christian is safe. But that's not what Christians are for. Christians are called to go into the world and to make a difference for God. We're not called to be safe Christians. I'm not called to be a safe Christian. And if we know anything about history, we know during the time of Pearl Harbor, those ships were safe in the harbor. But they weren't safe, were they? Right. Sometimes we think we could be safe just sitting here and just coming to church and just doing our thing. But the reality of it is the evil one is walking around looking and saying, hey, who's safe? Who's safe? Who can I get? Where's the one talent servant? Where's the one talent servant? 
church this morning, let me encourage you and end by saying this. The best way for you to glorify God is for you and I to be the best you and I that God created you and I to be. Matthew 5, uh, one of his first sermons, 14 through 15, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp or puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gets life for all who are in the house. Who are you this morning? Are you a one talent servant? I hope not. But if you are, what are you doing about it? How are you getting to that next step and saying, I want to be progressive for Christ. I want to be dynamic for Christ. I want to be a two talent, a five talent servant for Christ. And if you're a two or a five talent servant for Christ, keep doing it. Galatians says, never get tired of doing good. Book of Galatians, never get tired of doing good. Keep doing it. Keep serving the Lord. Keep trusting in him. God, thanks so much for your word. God, thanks so much for God looking at the parable of talents, looking at these two different sides of the coin. God, I would fool myself this morning if I was to think that in this congregation, there aren't any one talent slaves. God, I think even amongst a group this size and in a place like this, God, we know that there are people who have never utilized the talents that you've given us. And God, really, that represents, I think for some people, it represents that they're not even saved. God, there's no fruit coming from their lives. God, you've given them incredible things. You've given them an incredible opportunity, but yet they have not even taken that. They just took it and put it in a, in a hole, buried it and, and just left it there, knowing that they were afraid. I think this one servant was afraid that if I screw this up, if I risk this and it turns out bad, there's going to be a harsh punishment from the master. But God, the reality is, if we never choose you, if we never confess our sins to you, if we never come before your holy throne and say, God, I'm a sinner. The Bible says that all there's no one righteous. No, not one. God, I'm a sinner and I have sinned against a holy God. And God, I need to repent of my sins. And so if there is anybody here this morning that is in that place in their life, they said, hey, maybe I've been coming to church or maybe I've heard the word of God before, but I've never repented of my sins. Would you not leave this morning? Because we don't know when Christ is coming back. It could be later today. It could be while I'm still speaking. And so would you do that today? In the quietness of your hearts, would you just say, God, I believe that you are God and that you are holy. And I believe that I'm a sinner. And I've sinned against a holy God. And God, I want to confess my sins to you because your word says if I confess my sins... You are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. God, and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So God, would you come into my life? God, would you change my thinking? Would you change my heart? And God, help me to be a follower of you. God, help me to be a two and five talent servant. God, for the rest of us that have been living a life uh, where we've done that already, God, help us to keep going. God, help us never to get discouraged. God, help us never to get tired of doing good. God, we will face trials. God, we will face discouragement. We will face temptations. There's no doubt about that. But God, we know that your promises always happen. So God, we pray that you would help us. Give us the abilities. Give us the talents. Give us the things that we need to continue to serve you and to serve you with joy. God, you're the joy giver. 
Can't find it anywhere else. So God, we love you. God, we are grateful for who you are and what you've done in our lives. God, send us out. Help us to go. God, these, these slaves, they went. They traded. They worked. They earned. God, help us to do the same. God, we love your word. Help us to hide it in our hearts. Pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming this morning. Have a wonderful day.